0: What's going on, everybody? This is the Live Life Aggressively podcast, another week. It's with your partners, Mike Mahler. What's up, buddy?
1: Hey, man. How you doing? What's Five good? weeks in. It's amazing how fast it has gone. It's just, exactly. It seems like just a while ago we were just talking about doing the show and then finally got around to doing the first episode, and now I feel like we're kind of on a roll. It's starting to, it was always fun, but it's starting to get more fun with, with each episode because you start getting the listener feedback, which is awesome. And then you start getting more – the more you do it, the more ideas you get. And I think there's a lesson to be learned there with a lot of people. I think they take action. They don't take action rather because they always think they need to know more about something. It's like I just need to research this a little bit more. And I was listening to Arnold Schwarzenegger's book recently on uh, – it's an audio book. So uh, I was listening yeah. to that recently. Audible.com. Yeah, I was listening to that Audible.com. Yeah, it's awesome, man. It's just When you're driving around or flying, it's, it's you just – so much better use of your time than just listening to the same songs a hundred times. <laughs> but he has a great statement. The more you know, the less likely you are to take action. And I thought yeah. that, was, that was really poignant because most people think it's the opposite. They think if I know more, then, I'm re- then I'll be excited. I'm ready to take charge. And the reality is, is that anything you try to do that's meaningful, whether it is, whether it's improving your fitness or building a business or whatever it is, is going to be a lot harder than you think it is going to be right. a lot harder. So if you think about every single contingency that's going to happen, you're going to choke. You're going to be like, forget it. I don't even want to get started. So sometimes yeah. you just have to – you do enough research to, so you don't just jump off a cliff like an idiot. But if you do, but then you, at some point you have to get going. And it's kind of like that with yeah. the podcast. I mean we, we could have been still talking about it all this time if we didn't finally say, look, let's just record something next week exactly. and get this thing going. We could still be talking about it right now. You know, like, hey, what are we <laughs> going to do with the podcast? And I think a lot of people make that mistake. They just take forever to yeah. get things going. Things are always going to take longer than you want them to. Things are always going to be harder than you want them to. And I think the longer you try to delay or the more you think you need to know, the harder you're just making it upon yourself.
0: Yeah, it's like what we were talking about last week. You know, it's just that analysis paralysis. You know, like i got to make sure everything's perfect. And right. it's never going to be perfect. And trust me, if it's perfect, it means it's time to move on to something else. I know, Austin. I agree, brother. Yeah. See, Austin agrees. Yeah.
1: <laughs> for example, right now, a dog park in the back. Exactly. <laughs> and we're
0: rolling with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you going to do? Also, it's like what we were talking about. Life always seems to be full of double bookings, where you were talking yeah, about how you, you were just in New Orleans, and then you get back, and then you have to go to your daughter's uh, middle school graduated. graduation, and now, now you're heading out to Chicago. It seems like life is always like that. It reminds me of last year. I did a course in Dubai. And I didn't schedule my course schedule really well that year. So I, I was yeah. in Dubai for a couple of days. Two days after I got home, I had to fly out to Boston and teach out there. And I was like, I don't know who planned the schedule, but whoever that is, I need to fire that guy. Oh (laughs) But but you know what, at the same time, you tell anyone that stuff, no one's feeling sorry for Nobody gives a crap. They like to go. If I go tell the guy working at the bar down the street, I just got back from a great trip in Dubai and now I have to head out to the east coast to teach course to people that can't wait to see me, he's not gonna feel too bad for me. All right. (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) So yeah, man. But um yeah, like I said and Again, it's just like it's kind of going on to what we're going to talk about today about mental toughness. It's like being able to roll with it, like I'm getting ready to roll with my puppy over here <laughs> just like, and not let it bother me. <laughs> that Right now, his reflection in the fireplace is driving him batshit bat crazy right now. Okay. <laughs> you know, but... Um, but, again, like I said, when you kind of – like I said, just one of those things when you're working with mental toughness and you're, you're pretty much adaptable, you're flexible, nothing's going to bother you, nothing's going to shake you. And, you know, it's kind of, like I said, one of the reasons why we're going to talk about this today with our guest.
1: Yeah, we have a great guest on, on the show today. It's a friend of mine named Jackson Yi, And I heard, I've, known, I've known Jackson for a little while because he was inspired by one of my articles a while back, and that he, he gives me credit for really catapulting the direction he wanted to go in with mental toughness training, and I'm gonna let him tell a story and talk about what mental toughness is to him and why it's beneficial, why it's something you should care about. He's also a really charismatic guy. I heard him on Superhuman Radio one time, and I was like, this is the guy that I would love to have at one of my events speaking. He's a very motivational, very, very motivational guy, very yeah. interesting background, so it's gonna be cool to have him on. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure that we plug some of the stuff that we have going on because we always wait until the end of the episode And then probably most of the people don't even hear it because they don't get to that, that far. But uh, I've got a discount code for everyone listening for my supplements. It's LLA. It's just the acronym for live life aggressively. And that will give you 10% off my all natural testosterone booster, my recovery oil, which is transdermal magnesium and zinc and MSM, as well as a systemic enzyme product I carry called Exilzyme, which is incredible for, Workout recovery and lowering inflammation. And with my testosterone booster, it's been selling extremely well. The feedback has been incredible. I've had a few people that I had one guy said he didn't really get anything out of it. But when he returned the bottle, he didn't use it for more than a week. And this is a guy pushing sixty. So I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, come on, dude. So use use the product for eight weeks, then ask for a refund. Okay. Exactly. I mean, come on. Don't use it for a week until it doesn't work. And look, I'm happy to give anyone a refund. So I'm not gonna have I'm not gonna argue with people if they want a refund. If you want a refund for whatever reason, I mean I'm gonna ask just so I have intel, but I'm not gonna give you a hard time. So just keep that in mind. You don't have to fill out some fifty page questionnaire to get your refund. But at the same time, folks, come on, give it a shot. You know, give it four weeks at least. Yeah. Don't tell me that.
0: So, yeah, I think he was I, looking for the. I think he was looking for the Viagra effect. I'm gonna pop this and then I'm good. I got testosterone. Exactly. Not when you're 60.
1: Okay. No, it's like people are telling me, oh, I've been taking it for a week. My sex drive hasn't gone through the roof yet. I was like, well, that's not gonna happen for everyone. You know, that happens for some people. Everyone's <laughs> gonna metabolize things differently. So I mean, it's also this is not a boner pill. You know, it's a testosterone. <laughs> so give it some time so that you actually get the benefits of the product. Exactly. But I mean, the way it works, is it, it has three ingredients bulbine natalensis, macuna purines, and nettle roots. Now, bulbine natalensis helps increase luteinizing hormones, which is a messenger hormone that your brain sends to the testicles to ramp up your natural production. So some people, including myself, have noticed that your testicles actually get somewhat bigger with the product, which is a good sign that your natural testosterone is actually going up. So this this is going to give you bigger balls of Possibly, literally, and maybe and mentally. mentally too. Yeah, but <laughs> so that, that ties in with the whole mental toughness. You take this product, your mental toughness will go up.
2: And then whole It
1: also helps concentrate cholesterol, which is the building blocks of all sex hormones in the testicles, and convert it into testosterone. So it's really powerful stuff. The nettle root doesn't increase total testosterone, but what it does is unbind testosterone from sex hormone binding globulin. So it actually frees it up, because total testosterone is similar to having a stock portfolio where let's say you have $800,000 in that, but you can only access 10% of it. Well, if that's all you can access, then that's really all you have. The rest of it is kind of an illusion. So what you want to do is free up what more access you can more free up more access. So that's what stinging nettle root does is it frees up the testosterone. That's more bioavailable, which is what you can actually use. Because what's interesting is you could have a really high total testosterone and then have moderate estrogen levels and think you're fine, but if your free testosterone is really low or close to zero, then you're actually estrogen dominant because you don't have enough testosterone to balance that estrogen. And then the final ingredient is the macuna, which works with your brain chemistry. It increases dopamine, which increases growth hormone. It's a secreted growth hormone. And macuna also helps support that luteinizing hormone release and increase natural testosterone production. So anyway, everything you need to know about the supplement is on the page on my website at MikeMahler.com. Very extensive. Read through it all. Check out the FAQ. If you have any questions, let me know. And, uh, Sincere, what do you have going on? What do you have coming
0: yeah. up? Um, um, got Chicago this weekend, and looking forward to that after a great weekend in New Orleans down to Big Easy. So, what well, we have um, the first night, Friday night, have a master class, so it's semi-private coaching, helping some folks out with their kettlebell technique as well as some bi- going over some business strategies with them as well uh, because quite a few of them are trainers and they run their own business. And, they, you know, they've really been listening to the things that you and I have been talking about on the show and just like, hey, yeah. man, I just, you know, I, I don't mind. I mean, I'll sign up for that night just so we can talk about business. I don't even care about working on my technique. I want to work on my business and I just want right. to pick your brain. So, and this is what you do, people. You want to pick, you know, someone that you feel is successful and you want to mirror what they're doing. Okay, if you want to do that and you want to pick their brain, don't just be a leech and, like, try to get all this information without trying to get some type of compensation. Because this person is very busy, and trust me, we we don't mind, you know, sharing the knowledge that we've had and the experiences that we have. And that's one of the reasons why we do this show, that we're sharing right now. You know, but then, you know, there are those who like, send more emails and want to ask more questions. and. You know, I have no problem, especially if someone's, you know, signing up or, you know, like, hey, I'll pay you for an hour. Just come talk to me, and I just want to just go to some Not a problem. So, right. that's what's going to happen Friday night. And then all day Sunday, we're going to the bodyweight workshop. Uh, lots of great feedback from New Orleans from that bodyweight workshop. So, it's going to be a pretty good weekend. Plus, the IKFF is having a competition that Saturday, so I'll be there coaching and judging as well. And it's going to be a great weekend, man. So. You can go check out more information about that on my website at newwarriortraining.com. That's newwarriortraining.com. And you can find Mike and myself on Twitter at Mike Mahler, at Sincere Hogan. And from what I see right now, I believe our guest is in the house, man. Awesome. I we have Jackson on the line. Jackson, you there, brother?
3: Yes, I am. How are you guys doing today? Hey, oh, man. How are you doing? Great to be here. What an honor to be here talking to you guys. I love your show.
0: Hey, oh, man. Thanks, thanks a lot. A lot. Really yeah, digging the information, man. Yeah, really digging what I'm seeing too, man, on your blog. Um, and Mike speaks very highly of you. I mean, I found out about you through Mike and couldn't wait to get you on the show. It was like a perfect fit for what we talk about here. And, hey, who better to bring on the show about to talk about mental toughness than yourself?
3: Well, thank you very much. It took a long time for me to get there, but uh, I got there after reading Mike's article five years ago. I've been um, lifting all my life.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And um, when I was 18 years old, I, I was your typical 90-pound weakling. You know, no muscle, nothing, and I uh, started doing bodybuilding techniques for pretty much, um, you know, my first 20 years of my life. But, you know, even though I was doing it, you know, four times a week, I always felt some sort of disconnect. And even in my personal life, I, was, I would have moments where I would feel mentally tough, but more moments where I would feel mentally weak. Mm-hmm. So through my 40s, I got really fat and overweight, and I was depressed with my job. I was a teacher for 17 years in south-central L.A., and at one time I was uh, the rising star. But when the state took over our, uh, our school, shut down the freedom of teachers, I kind of uh, lost interest, lost my passion.
2: Right.
3: So, yeah, in the 40s, I took up CrossFit. And mind you, I want to repeat that at this time in my life, I was overweight, I was never a good athlete, and um, I was struggling with CrossFit. But something happened to me along that way. My journey was crossed I just got fucking tired of being the last one and the worst athlete, and all these memories came up, and um, I started to do well. And others was more surprised than I was that I started to um, to get the, the top scores. I mean, I, it came out of nowhere, and I really didn't know what happened at that time. And that's when I discovered Mike's pieces. And when I read, to, read, read Mike's articles, it spoke to me. like It finally made sense to me what I wasn't doing and I needed to do. I, I mean, Mike's words... You know, you know, there's people that are strong in life, but pushovers in, um, in life also. It, it was speaking to me. Right. And after that, I became
1: obsessed with developing mental toughness. Now, you bring up some really interesting points. I think one of the, one of the big pluses for CrossFit is that competitive element. So, like, when you're taking a class, there's kind of that in competitive environment, and competition really brings out the best in us. And it doesn't have to be about I want to crush other people, and ruin them, but it's kind of like when you're, when you're or even like Sincere and myself and a whole bunch of us that are good friends, whenever any of us has something going on, there's a natural competitive edge to want to step it up yourself, so if I'm talking to Sincere and he goes, hey, I just did this workout, or I just had a breakthrough in my business, that might be a day where I'm slacking, where I'm like, wait, well, what am I doing? I need to step it up. He's got things going exactly. on. And so it's, it's really good, it's, it's really important to have kind of a mastermind group where you have a good set of people, where everyone's constantly trying to push each other, But for people who don't have that, I think that's one of the biggest appeals of going to a CrossFit class is that it brings out that competitive element. And also I think one of the, I think bodybuilding can be useful, but I think one of the biggest down points of it is the fact that it's, it's so focused on the superficial, meaning how big are my arms, how, how ripped are my abs and how how good do I look from this angle? You know what I mean? So it's it's like, People that get into it tend to be – tend to have some underlying insecurities that haven't been addressed, and often they're trying to build literally armor to protect them from the outside world. And there's a really good book called Confessions of an Unlikely Bodybuilder. It's written by a British mm-hmm. guy. I forget his name now, but I mean, he basically – that was his whole motivation for really getting into bodybuilding is he was always a very insecure guy. And then when he got really big, he kind of liked how people were somewhat intimidated of him. Because a lot of people who don't know anything about combative are hard to think that if a guy's big, he must be a good fighter, too. When most of the time, that's it's usually the opposite. opposite. For those of us in yeah. the know, it's usually the opposite. <laughs> but that's still a misconception yeah. yeah. that's kind of out there. So I think sometimes people feel if I just get big enough, then no one's going to mess with me and I can intimidate people. And I'm going to have this armor where I don't have to deal with the underlying causes of why I went down this route in the first place.
2: Yeah.
3: No, and, and this one, one this, one,
1: I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jackson.
3: No, no, no. Okay. Okay, thank you. That was, you know, one of my observations because um, I looked at, at goals and World Gym uh, in the 80s and 90s, and, and, you know, every once in a while you see these big fuckers coming in, you know, thinking that like, these guys are going to be the next um, world champion, and then they right. lose a competition, and all of a sudden they shrink down and they're, they're done. You never see them anymore because, yeah. yeah. you know, they were relying on the drugs and they weren't mentally tough in the hand of the adversity,
1: uh, their ability to persevere. Right. Yes, absolutely. And then also what happens is sometimes, I remember hearing about some of the bigger guys at Gold's gym where these guys always wore long sleeve shirts when they went out, because even though they had 23 inch arms or 22 inch arms, something like that, they felt that like if there was someone that was bigger than them, they felt insecure and they felt like they needed mm-hmm. to cover up their arms. So it's a, it's a total body's so crazy. Man. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, what you're seeing is not what's there. And I think that the biggest lesson, I think the biggest benefit of training is that it teaches you how to push through adversity And if you can carry that over to other areas of your life, whatever causes you're interested in, your business, whatever, you're trying to improve yourself, that to me has always been the real benefit of tough physical training is that you learn something about yourself. And then you're like, you know what, if I can push through there, why can't I push through in these other areas so that when you hit a big roadblock in your business, you're not going to just cave and give up, which a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people give up on a business or a workout system right when they're about to make a breakthrough. They're just really close, and they're they're hitting that resistance phase, and they think somehow that the extreme resistance means that it's not meant to be, when it's more the opposite. It's like now is the time to step up and push all the way through.
0: I mean, it's so funny because, I mean, our our actual real lives are no different than our training. So, I mean, for an example of what you just said, Mike, that's not any different than if you go to the gym – and you're picking up a 10 pound dumbbell and you're doing it just going and going because it's easy and everything's going the way you think, there's no pain, everything's working out. I mean, it's not building anything. It's not any real resistance training going right there, especially if, you know, you're already a pretty strong person or, I mean, unless you're like a four year old or someone that may have had some type of debilitating disease or something like that, just getting started, there's not much a 10 pound dumbbell is going to do for you. You know, for most people, they're using that for like a for rehab or something like that. I mean, the entire exactly. thing, we call this training resistance training. And the thing is, The more resistance you give, the more that that muscle has to work, the more it's going to get torn down and built back up. You know, when you finally recover and step away from the training itself, which is usually when you're sleeping and when you're eating and things like that, when you step away from the situation and give yourself a chance to rebuild, it comes back stronger. Same thing with your business. If you're going to have, you know, adversity, things are going to be thrown at you or whatever, you know, just welcome it and and realize it's part of this training process. It's part of this program for me to really build a very strong business and, you know, and really continue with my passion, right? And that's, I think that's a, the main ingredient that's missing from all of that, whether it's training from business, it's just the passion aspect of it. When you're very passionate about it, all those things won't even matter. It won't even matter. Yeah. And the thing is, the passion is more connected to the mental aspect than any aesthetics. The aesthetics is the after effect. That's one of the things I do like about CrossFit. It's like, okay, they're, they're really working on just, like I said, the competitiveness and things like that and they're not so much worried about what their body's going to do. It's just an after-effect of everything else. You know, they're really trying to push themselves, trying to see if they can be better during the next, you know, the next water or anything like that. So they're not so much – the body's going to do what it needs to do, as long as you're doing what you should be doing and focusing on the things that really, really matters, like getting your mind right. You get your mind right, you get your body right. It's just really that simple. It doesn't work the other way around. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I totally I'm,
3: agree. You, you got to get the mind right first. The only problem is that, um, you know, in the fitness world, there's not too many people teaching now how to get over adversity, even with CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it for seven years. I And don't get me wrong, I have problems with CrossFit, too. I think it's I have a love hate relationship. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to get into.
1: Yeah, exactly. I don't want <laughs> yeah. this to be a show where we're all just trying crossfit each other love. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's not a CrossFit <laughs> love fest, but it's yeah, like, yeah, even I think, a bodybuilding love fest or even a power you know, powerlifting love fest. You know, there's going to be some love hate everywhere. So don't think we're all just in this stroke stroking our CrossFit little balls here. <laughs> <You know? laughs> all right, good.
1: I'm curious, Jackson, how some mm. of the negatives of I mean I'll just kind of give my perspective. Some of the some of the negatives I see about CrossFit in different areas are how some places and I'm not going to talk about old CrossFit instructors because I know a lot of good ones who have good protocols, but often we see a lot of poor technique, too much too soon. So for example, someone hasn't trained before and you put them through the grinder and they blow out their back and they don't want to work out for yeah. six months. I mean, I hear stories like that all the time. In fact, I see ch- it all the time. There are, chiro- there are chiropractors now who build their business around CrossFit injuries because that's how prolific it's become. It's like, Hey, do you do CrossFit? Come on in for a free session. Up, we're in the wrong business. We should Hold have on. been a chiropractor.
0: I, I say that, I say yeah, that exactly. all the time, man. I say that all the time. I was like, man, the more and more I see some of these videos, I'm like, I chose the wrong profession. Right now, my kids, you know, they could be going to whatever school they were, living wherever they want to by now. You know, if I just I just became a chiropractor, even my chiropractor, we talk about that. I'm like, I said, they're paying your kids through school, man. I, I said, it's good, to, it's good to be you, you know. No,
3: it is. I, I cringe 90% of the time in a CrossFit class, really. I do. And, um, it, you know, the, the biggest problem I have with CrossFit is, you know, the, the first couple of years were great. I mean, you know, you do a couple of snatches and you would sprint. You know, basically you could do CrossFit anywhere. It could be outside of the park. You know, bodyweight exercises. But now it's kind of like being a heroin addict. They, they have to up the ante too much. Where it, it, It's not about intensity anymore. It's about high risk. And see, I mean, that's the problem I mean I don't know if you guys checked out any of the watch for the open,
0: Yes, uh, uh, yeah. one of them
3: yeah, one of them was uh, thirty snatches and thirty uh, burpees and forty snatches and fifty burpees, and that was ridiculous it was It was absolutely absurd to watch, and even you know I did it, and I said to myself, you know I don't need to do this shit you know I, you know I'm fifty years old, you know it's about training smart now, and uh, like I said it's just it, it, it's upsetting to me about uh, how far have they gone on the wrong side and it's become it's become so much of a market um marketing tool uh uh with um
1: the crossfit headquarters too yeah. yeah and it's something that's kind of pervasive in the fitness business in general in the sense that people think they need to keep going over the top. I mean, we have examples of people doing barbell squats in a Swiss ball, for example, and things like that. (laughs) Come on, Cirque du Soleil
0: is hiring. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's it's like we know the basics work. The basic movements done in a periodized manner, cycling intensity and so forth, balancing restoration. I mean, those are all the things that are smart to do. But But people often feel that they need to be gimmicky and over the top and just come up with nonsense to stay competitive. And people often ask me, like, you know, what do you do with all that? And I go, well, I don't have to do anything with that because there's an old Samurai saying saying that your your enemy's sword is your sword too. <laughs> and yeah, I or, agree. The, the competition is just going to chop their heads off, and I'll just stay the course of what I'm doing. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of like I don't I don't have to do anything to to compete with that because they're going they're they're their own worst competition. They're going to nuke themselves yeah. before they get anywhere. So it's so, but at the same – so in other words, if you, if you show integrity and good information and stay on a reasonable path, then people kind of see that right away. And I've had people come to my website and say, you know what? Once I got to your website, I realized that this is something different here. It's not over the top. Yeah, this guy's in the business of making money. I run a business, of course. But that doesn't mean that we have to be over the top, insult our customers, and just make up a bunch of nonsense to stay competitive. And I think the problem with a lot of trainees is they feel that workouts should be entertaining. So they're like, I'm bored. This is boring. It's like, well, you know what's what's really boring? Not making any progress. (laughs) So just stay the course with stuff, and you'll actually make progress. You know, get good at those basic moves, and you're going to make some incredible progress as opposed to every workout has to be entertainment where you get good at nothing. You never get good at the skill of the exercise, and that's an important foundation to build.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, what, it, what it comes down to we talk about the basics and really mastering those basics, even, just, even with your business. I think the problem is, and even with, our, with, with diets, it's just the thing is when you get to the basics, there's nothing sexy about the basics, and there's nothing sexy about marketing the basics. So they have to find something because everyone needs to – the customer needs to be entertained. So therefore, the, the people, the coaches, the, the business owners, they feel like they have they think they're giving the people what they want. But on the flip side of the people – Are getting that because they think that's what is being offered to them? So they think like, well, this is obviously this is what it's supposed to be like. So maybe I need to, you know, maybe this is how I should be trained. Maybe I should be on a Bosu ball because that's what the coach said was good. But then the coach is thinking like, well, this is what they want to do because they don't want a boring workout. And so you just have this snowball effect, and it's just just going. This is a nonstop circle of of asinine BS going on right there. So And that's with with any organization. It's not even so much that we're just picking on CrossFit. Mike and I see it in the kettlebell world now. I mean, some of the things happening in the world of kettlebells right now, now that they see that, oh, I can actually get a dollar sign attached to this now. Like, I can make money with this. Let me come up with some of the most asinine crap I can get. Let me take some <laughs> jackass celebrity trainer and, you know, put them and make them the face of, you know, kettlebell training and put it on a DVD in Walmart. Meanwhile, they're doing just the most asinine swings you've ever seen. And but someone's thinking, like, well, if this celebrity trainer is doing kettlebells, I should be doing it too. And obviously they're right because they're a celebrity trainer. And, like, I t- <laughs> you ask Mike, it's what I said in one of the first shows. Like, when I hear celebrity trainer – all I can think of is paid actor. So I'm not trying right. to go to a paid actor. If I'm if I'm sick with pneumonia, I'm not going to a paid actor that plays a doctor on TV, <laughs> you know, something like that. So <laughs> yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to be the same way with my training as well. So, like I said, like we see it in everything. We see it in everything there, man. So,
1: Jackson, I don't know. What, what would be an example of of a mental toughness workout that you do or something you recommend to people? What would be something that would be an example that kind of cuts through a lot of the problems we're talking about here that would would be an example of how to do it correctly.
3: Well, I like to do simple uh, metabolic conditioning workouts. Like um, my favorite CrossFit uh, workouts uh, were pretty much stolen from Dan John's uh, uh, litany workouts. Are you familiar with those? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, basically you you lift something heavy and you run like hell. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think the simplicity of that that combination of doing something like heavy deadlifts, some push-ups, and then do a 400-meter run. Right. And that's brutal. Yeah, your, your, your body is not used to something like that. And uh, it, um, that's one of the best workouts to do. Prowler pushes is another uh, great mental toughness workout. Um, anything that, that will make you suffer uh, without uh, killing your body. But, again, I, I like to do basic movements uh, these days. I like to do dumbbell snatches, uh, rope climbs, deadlifts. Um, I rarely do the prescribed cross workouts since um, – um, doing them in the open. But I do like some of the old ones, like Fran, Murph. Um, those are great.
1: Definitely. Oh, cool. Yeah, excellent. You know, it's funny you bring up Dan John because I'm doing a course with him, and I'm looking at the ad copy he gave me to add to my website, and he has, he has a great line about, why do lousy guys work so much harder than the great guys? I mean, why do they do so much more work, I should say, not work harder? Because that, yeah. that's something we see all the time, is that I I work out at home, but I also work out at a gym for variety out here. And often I'll get in there and get out in no longer than an hour. I mean 45 minutes Ah. or less is usually. You get in, you hit your five basic moves, full body workout, get the hell out of there. And before I get in, there will be people in there just messing around, doing tricep pushdowns, curls, things like that, chit-chatting in between sets. By the time I'm leaving, they're still doing that stuff. And these guys look (laughs) like crap. You know, None of them are strong, and none of them look like they even work out. So it, it's, it's so true. I, I think people have such misconceptions about working out. In other words, and the reason why I bring this up is someone who's gonna, someone who doesn't know better who's listened to what you just said. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do some sprinting with some deadlifts and some push-ups and this and that. They're going to be like, that's it? It's that's like, yeah, it? that's, yeah, that's <laughs> it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's enough. If you, those of us who have ever done Yeah, that's more than, than done enough. Done that. Yeah, that's more yeah, than enough. Like,
0: I'm like, you you're do, doing do deadlifts do five, and thinking about running? Seriously? You're two like, a you?
1: <laughs> yeah, do 5 pull all-out sprints you know, sprint 100 yards as fast as you can and repeat that five times. Walk back to the start, (laughs) repeat again. If you do a full-out effort on each run, you're going to be done, man. I mean, five all-out runs where you push it really hard, you will be shocked how hard that is. When people are like, oh, it's not that hard, it's like, well, that's because you didn't run as fast as you could. You just jogged. That's not what I'm talking about. We're talking about a full-out effort here where you're breathing heavy.
0: Where it's a zombie apocalypse and they're after you, you know? (laughs) And one thing I like what you said, when you bring up just even just one of those workouts being deadlifts and sprints, come on, this also mirrors some things that can happen in real life. One moment you're you're trying to lift all your crap because you know things are coming at you, you're in trouble or whatever. So you need to pick up yourself and get ready to run. So you're picking up some heavy stuff because it's stuff that's very important to you. It could be someone very important to you. You know, then once you put them down, you need to go run for help. <laughs> guess what? You got to sprints. So guess what? That just mimics the same thing with deadlift and then going out and doing all-out sprints. That mimics life right there. So I think Jack came up
1: with this after after working in South Central for so long. <laughs> 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 we have to we had to call, talk a lot from all South the bullets, Phil. Yeah, this oh, is a South man. Central workout. It comes up that you had to change a flat tire one time. And <laughs> all that. You,
0: so, you call this a workout? I call this life,
1: motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: now, yeah, well, what, do you,
1: what do you what do you feel are some of the benefits of this style of training? So you're pushing yourself hard. You're combining different full body moves for the most part, body weight exercises, some ballistic motions, deadlifts, things like that. What what do you feel are the benefits of this style of training in terms of permeating into other areas of your life? Well, the most important thing is that for me, the benefits is making me mentally tougher. To the
3: fact that I could get over, I could translate it to my 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 business and my personal issues in my life. Because all my life, I pretty much had issues of being weak, and it was it was like what you said. I I I used to give up on myself a lot, and uh, with this training, I've taught myself to be defiant to quitting. To absolutely putting my foot down whenever I, I want to give up to myself. Uh, to me, the training is all about how strong to be in my personal life. Because uh, now I'll, I'm not into the superficials like how I used to be in my 20s and 30s. Um, and even with the clients that I train right now, I keep telling them, well, you know, the first thing I'm going to teach you is, is um, uh, how to overcome adversity. And, and most people are not interested in that. You know, their their main concern is, you know, I want a tighter ass I want a bigger arms. <laughs> But they don't realize that they don't realize that what's holding you back is your mind. I mean, we've all done this before. where we go out to the gym and we lifted some weights and we thought it was heavy, but we realized it was a, a lighter weight. Uh, it's the mind that puts limits on us. Right. So the, the thing about the thing about going overcoming adversity in your training is that you feel like you can overcome anything in your life. You feel really unstoppable. And uh, my life has changed completely ever since I read your words about this. And i uh, will I've read so much about this. I'm like, you I can't stand all these uh, uh, self-help gurus. I, I've been, You know, when I first started inve- investigating about mental toughness, you know, I read all these uh, self-gurus talking about, you know, how to be a winner and how to be right, this. Right, right. But, you know, when I look at their picture of the credentials, they don't look like winners to me.
2: You know, they look like losers to me. You
0: know,
3: and that's the one thing about that's our true. business. We should never take advice from somebody that looks worse than us. It's true, man. We
0: just talked about that a couple of weeks ago, man. Just- I remember,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: of no, like had a let's training go, Let's go
1: into this whole self-help group. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought that up because this is, this is a good topic. Always, Let, let's let's go into this the fault that the whole negatives with a lot of this self-help guru stuff is the fact that it, it's kind of funny that it's even called self-help. Because you're going to someone else, <laughs> else to get help. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's the first. That's the first thing is like you're going to an expensive course to get help. So it's, it's, right there, it's not really self-help. And then two, it, it's kind of like a, a very complicated way to distract you from doing what you need to do, which is push through adversity. That's really what it is. Is that when yeah, people good. go to these events and so forth, they're going. You know what? I've got certain issues I need to deal with, and I'm hoping this guy has the answers. And then you kind of skate around it for several days, and it, it, it's either some oversimplification, such as you just need to be more positive, which is really irritating yeah. anyone who's going through stuff. I mean, that 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 never works in the in the sense that we, in the way we would want it to. It's like, yeah, we should be grateful for what we have and so forth. But if you're if you're in a really dire situation and you just and someone's just telling you to be positive, that irritates you beyond measure. You know, that's us I'm, I'm the same that.
3: way. It- yeah. And all that stuff is just self-feel-good um, uh, stuff that just doesn't right. work. You know, it's interesting about all these self-help books and these experts. Not one of them combines anything with the body or doing some sort of exercise.
2: Yeah, not very one. very true. Very true. Yeah,
3: and, yeah, so, you uh, know, that's, that's one of the, the biggest problems with, you know, psychotherapy in general. I, I feel like, you know, you, you know, we could talk ourselves to death, and, you know, we just relive those experiences too much. Yeah. And uh, the, the one thing about this training is that I have overcome my personal demons and uh, the horrors in my life and uh, my former bullies and tormentors. I look right. at the workouts as sort of um, a metaphor every time I train. I'm, I'm trying to wipe out um, uh, the past, uh, the, my past uh, bad experiences. And uh, by doing that, I'm able to teach it to my other clients and through my blog. And that's, that's where I find uh, my passion right now. You know, it took me 30 fucking years to
1: get here to, to combine well, I, I psychology think... and training, but I finally, I finally found it. No, I think what you're doing is you're taking negative experiences and finding a positive outlet for it. And I think that's how you ultimately overcome negative experiences because you brought up another good point about how a lot of talk therapy is you go in there and you just keep talking about the same problem over and over again. And I've I've been through this too where I I had total recall of some events that happened to me when I was a kid and – the first, thing, normally I would say, you know what, I, I'm just going to deal with this myself. But I was going through a phase in my life where I was going, maybe I should just talk to people about this. And at first, it kind of felt good. You're like, oh, you know, I'm talking about this, I'm getting it out there. Other people would kind of relay their stories to me, so we're all talking about it to each other. Initially, yeah. it felt kind of good, but then it became something where you're always talking about it, and you're not feeling any better about it. And, it all, and then you're you know, like you said, you just keep reliving stuff. And what it comes down to is. Now it starts defining you, like, where this is this is what you're all about. Yeah, and so like defines everything. you as a victim. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. it from, yeah, it goes from support to being a crutch. So you got yeah. a
0: support group, then it becomes the crutch group. So it's, now it seems like everybody's in the same little ward where everybody's all beat up and, you know, no one's really rehabbing yeah. or whatever. It's one of the reasons why, I mean, I went to school for psychology, man, but then I sat there and started thinking about it probably about junior year. I'm like, how the hell? I mean – I have no problems with it. I really want to help people. That's why I ended up in this industry. But to sit there and for someone to come in and have a session with me and to think that I can stretch this out and get paid, you know, by the hour, it's not going to last that long because, okay, I'm going to let you vent, and then I'm going to say, you know what? First of all, you need to let go of that old story. It's done. There's nothing you can do about yeah. it. Why do you keep rehashing it? Here's the thing. Are you, are you still here? you still here? You're breathing? You're good? Everything's yeah. working? Okay, look, one thing about that experience it didn't kill you. It didn't define you. Let it fuel you. So how, what did you learn from it? Why, you know, pretty much why are you here today? And a lot of times, most people in that profession are not really trying to get right to that. They want to kind of stretch it out, stretch it out. Like, no, we've got to make sure we cover all the bases. It's really simple. It's just like, look, this is not your destiny, dude. It's, it's Stuff happened. And guess what? It happened for a reason. You needed that situation. It happened. Okay. And like I said, you're here now. Take it. And now what are you going to do with that situation that's going to make you better? And at the same time, a lot of times, most people, they go to this stuff because they're they're looking for just some type of help so they can stop feeling alone in the situation. So it's like Mike said, in the beginning, yeah, it feels good just to get it out because you realize, okay, it's not just me. And I think right. once you get to that point when you realize it's not just you, then you can get on with your life. You can really start putting the pieces together to be better than whatever happened during that situation. Can't change the past. And you can't be worried about what the future is like because that's not here either. So you're basically yeah. all, all these feelings, these emotions are based on lies. It's lies because they're not, they're not happening right now. So therefore it's, it's false. It's just, it's made up. It's a story that you're creating in your head. So, and that's one thing a lot of these self-help guys don't want to say Either they know this and they know, like, well, I can't really have someone come and spend 15 grand in a weekend if this is what I'm going to bring to them. i am I going to stretch this out for three days, five days, and just tell everybody that? Or they have no clue them, th- themselves. And a lot of times these guys have their own pain, but they're never going to admit it. <laughs> so they try to walk around like they're, they're not, you know, they're superhuman. And, like, I feel good all the time. My life is all about positivity. I'm positive all the time. I'm sorry. You're a human yeah. being. If you're feeling, if you have feelings, you're not feeling good all the freaking time. Okay. Yeah. But the thing is, it's all about when you feel like shit, what do you do when you, know, when you have that feeling? So the best thing to do is acknowledge like, okay, I feel like crap today. And then you ask yourself, why am I feeling like crap today? Then you gotta ask yourself, okay, is this even a real feeling? What am I basing this off of? Or do I, do I just need to feel, do I just need the attention to feel like a victim right now? And you know, a lot of times no one wants to ask those hard questions. They just want somebody to tell them, it's okay. You, just be positive.
1: It's well, that, that's the other <laughs> thing, Sincere, is that what happens is, is that you get addicted to the attention you get for having Oh, yeah. Exactly. We, yeah, exactly. I know people really, like their problems. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's reinforcing. I know people like to wear their problems as a badge of honor. Oh, I mean, I was at a course one time where this, this one lady across from me, a young lady friend of mine, I took the course. She was like, yeah, I had a bad flat tire one time on the way to work. And she wasn't trying to make herself the center of attention. That was just the topic. I forget how it came up. But there was a lady sitting next to her who was like, oh, that's nothing. One time I had a flat tire, and then I got into an accident, and then my foot got ran over. And then you know, It was like – like, people just started laughing after a while because everyone realized what she was trying to do. It was like you're trying to steal the moment here. like you're, yeah, you're trying to You're, trying, do to each one, other. you're trying to one-up everyone here. It's like, well, oh, that's nothing. Here, let me tell you about my problem here. Oh, that's not yeah. nothing. I had this happen. And what happens is there, there's a book called The Celestine Prophecy, and some of it's pretty yes. healthy. But it it has some pretty cool points in there. And it kind of talks about four different types that people fall into to ascertain energy. You know, one is the interrogator. And this is the kind of person who's always like, well, why are you doing that? That's not going to work. And they're "They're always like berating you. And then that's how they get energy because now you have to constantly explain yourself to this person. That's why I always say, look, folks, when people try to put you in a situation where you have to explain why you do certain things, just tell them to fuck off right there because that's a (laughs) total form of manipulation. You know, just tell them to F off. Tell them right away. It's like, look, I'm not going to deal with your interrogation crap at all. People try to do this in sales situations, job interview situations. I mean, it happens all the time, this kind of interrogator trying to intimidate somebody. The other one is poor me. And this is what we're talking about where it's always, oh, this is, what, like, this is the kind of person where every time you talk to them, they always have a problem to the point where you're like, I don't want to call up this person ever because every time I do, I yeah. start complaining about something. It just ruins my day. They feel better after talking to you because they just took all your energy. And now you feel like crap for having listening yeah. to all that nonsense. And then there's the aloof person. And these are people that are just like purposely quiet all the time. So you always have to try to pry and say, hey, what's going on? You know, what's going on in your head? Are you okay? You know, that kind of thing. So that's how they get their attention. Like Mr. Mysterious, aloof all the time, <laughs> never says anything. It's like, well, you're a grown man now, so being shy is no longer cool. Okay? <laughs> so think you're, think you're quiet, all right? <laughs> you're not 15 anymore where the wearing black fingernails and mascara and so forth the being a quiet kid is tolerated. Right? And then there's like the intimidator. These are like bullies, people who like to go around and pick fights for no reason or just verbal intimidation, kind of shot at somebody and you're supposed to recant and so forth. And whenever I was in the corporate world, it was kind of funny. And I, I, I never worked for a big corporation, but I worked for different internet companies. And I was never intimidated by superiors because, one, I didn't have any family or kids. That's the first thing that helps because they love you to have a wife and kids because you're easier to control in that context. That's true. You're going to think twice about saying, fuck you, boss, because now you're like, especially now. Yeah, you're going to play – they think you play it safe more. Yeah, especially now with the recession and so forth, jobs are hard to come by, et cetera, even more so now. I can't even imagine what it's like for a lot of people now, and I've been out of – I haven't worked for other people for a, over a decade, so I, 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 but now I can't imagine what people have to deal with. But also, I was never intimidated because of one simple reason. The guy that was, quote-unquote, my superior, now I could break him over my kneecap and throw him out the window. <laughs> so it's like yeah. this, guy, this guy's shouting at me like I'm some little chump, like, hey, we expect you to do this and so forth. I'm like, well, you know, I expect you to talk to me in a, like I'm a man in a civil manner, so I'm not going to tolerate this crap. I'll quit the fucking job right now until you and now now it was a liberating feeling just knowing in your head, you know what, I can tell this guy to F off right now. And then, then and then you know but you know what's funny is they don't know when you show that you're not willing to take that crap, like you don't have to just go off like you don't have to get all dramatic and get into this big cussing battle and say, let's go meet in the parking lot and deal with this." all right? I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> yeah. right I'm like, that could be. that. Could be, that could be fun, too. You know? yeah. But it's, but so, so it's a state of mind, you, though. Get,
3: yeah, so yeah, people can feel that for me. You. You you know, like you said, you don't have to act out on that. But people yeah. know that
1: if you're not going to take shit from people, it, it comes through your body language. Yeah, exactly. That's where I'm going is that <laughs> you, you, you can talk in a way where you're firm and your body posture shows, you know what? I'm not going to put up with this crap. And when people yeah. realize that, all of a sudden they're not going to come at you like that again. But it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a, a really sad state of a lot of human behavior. When people feel like they have something over you, they often try to exploit that. And that's another manipulation form right there. It's like, you know, what can I get this person Some celebrities are notorious for doing this. Like, what can I get this person to do? Can I get this person to yeah. humiliate can I? And then not even – sometimes it's not even a celebrity. Sometimes it's someone who just has – has has people's attention for whatever reason, and they want to see what they can do with that now. And, and that's always coming from some place of probably something with them that's unresolved. Now they have to try to manipulate other people because someone did something like that to them, and it's just this 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 wheel of suffering that just keeps on going.
0: Well, guess what? I mean, they're no different than anyone that goes to like the big, you know, self-help gurus weekend right there. These same people that you speak of, they're going to use, they're using this, this power to hold things over other people and bullying and things like that as a distraction from their own issues that they need to resolve. It's too scary to resolve those issues, but they feel like I feel even more, I feel braver when I'm sitting there trying to punk somebody and, you know, and hold stuff over their head instead of me having to, you know, deal with the fact that I'm punking myself and not dealing with the stuff that's hanging over my head with my things that have happened to my past, you know, well, so I just take it out on this person right here. And instead, and a lot of times people don't think about that. A lot of times you have to be like, okay, a lot of times when someone's acting like that, I'm like, what, what happened in your life? What, what really happened before this? What happened? It could have been something that happened on the playground when you were like four years old in preschool. Some kid puts you down the sand because you're a big, fat pig, you know, and then they, say, you know, they're yeah. really most, they get older, they get into their teens, testosterone kicks in, you know, and, you know, puberty, you go through puberty, next thing you know, I'm going to start working out, I'm going to work out really hard. Then they become obsessed with training and working, uh, working out and becoming an athlete. So then, okay, they get football. They want to be defensive end. They want to run over people. And that's the guy that's, like, just killing people on the football field. Or they're the guys that end up becoming MMA superstars, you know, because they had all these issues. They become like a George St. Pierre who used to get bullied and beat up all the time when he was a kid, you know, and it drives them. So it can go one of two ways. They can either be a, a bully later on in life, or they can use those situations to – they realize, like, okay, that was a really shitty time in my life. But I don't ever want to go back there. But I wouldn't wish that upon someone else. So this is what I'm gonna cha- I'm gonna channel that and really work with that. So you got you've got choices with that. It can really go really really great, or you can be really really crappy about it. No. Oh,
3: that's very true. It seems like training is the best sort of therapy, isn't it, guys?
0: Yes, it sir. Is. Yeah. 'Cause yeah, I can just pick up a heavy weight and slam it down the ground and guess what? No one got hurt. <laughs> I don't have to apologize to I don't have to apologize to the barbell when I slam it down or when I flip the tower, I beat the hell out of it with a sledgehammer. Yeah. Okay, so and, and, oh. and also I won't get assault charges for beating beating the hell well, out my, of my, it. Well my coach
1: Mark <laughs> Phillippe, brought up a good point one time and we had a we I was working out at his gym for several months and he had a one of his clients came in and the guy is Basically like, ah, oh, you know, I'm going through a bad divorce right now. I just had a rough conversation with my ex and so forth. I'm not really up to training. And Mark's like, well, I'll tell you what. Go home, take the day off. Next time you come in, turn out to be such a big pussy. Right? And the guys <laughs> started laughing immediately. And Mark, Mark, Mark is very good at saying a line like that where he doesn't come off like a dick. That, that, that's the sign of a really good coach. So the guys started laughing. And then Mark, Mark followed up saying, look, the, the weights are always going to be here for you. They're not going to cheat on you. <laughs> They're not going to betray you. And it's kind of funny that he says that because I look at trading almost like a friend that's always been there because it's, it's kind of like no matter what's going on in your life, you can always get in a workout and no, it's not going to fix the problem that you're dealing with, but it always makes you feel better. So you're dealing with, a, you're dealing with whatever stress you're dealing with. You go get a workout in. The problem is still there, but now you feel more empowered to deal with that. You're like, all right, got some of that, got some of that anxiety energy out. Now I'm a little bit more focused. Let's deal with this. And let's push forward with this whole thing. So I, that's, that's what I always try to emphasize through my work is that it goes way beyond just what you can do in the gym or your home gym or when you go hiking, you know, whatever it is. It's that you, you learn so much about yourself when you subject yourself to physical adversity, which is one of the reasons why in the military, if you want to be part of an elite group, you have to go through very difficult training because they don't want people that are mentally weak in the field they want to push you through training which is very difficult physically but it's a lot more mental like anyone any military guy who's ever been or woman who's been through this this style of training they'll tell you that it's, it's a lot more mental and it's, it's not always the guys who are the most incredible physical specimens who excel sometimes they're the ones you cave first because they're used to things being easy and then all of a sudden it's like all right I can run those miles no problem. It's like, okay, can you do it without any sleep and no breakfast, and you haven't had, you, you've been berated for a whole week? And can you still do it then? No, they cave because they're just not used to having to push through when things are difficult. They just cave.
0: And it's usually the little guys that, you know, they're persevering there because, you know what, they have nothing to lose. They, dude, they've been on the bottom of the totem pole for a long time, so they have a lot to prove. And I see a lot of that also, even just even here in the in the fitness world with a lot of women, even in kettlebell sport in which I trained. I saw it's to the point now that women the women athletes are taking over as far as the numbers, as far as. Uh, who's competing now i mean there's more and more women doing it and there's more and more women hitting big numbers becoming world champions and and getting master sport and and breaking world records like our friend Donica castorino a friend of mike and myself and the thing is it's a double it's a double-edged sword for women it's like not only do they have to prove themselves in a majority of a man male-dominated world you know they also have to prove themselves also to other women not so much as competition all the time because it is there but also to be an inspiration and showing women like hey you can do this, too. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Like, the poss- you know, if you really put your mind to it, you can really, really get to these same levels or if not go beyond some of the levels some of these guys are doing because a lot of these guys, like I say, it comes to them so easily that they take it for granted and they never really achieve anything because they think everything's too freaking easy. So they don't put forth the effort. So the same thing goes back to, like you said, in the military, you got these guys and the ladies, too, who pretty much, like, they have a lot to prove. So they're going to work a lot harder, and there's just no way you're going to break them. Because it's like, well, dude, I, I was broken years. I was broken when I was, like, six or seven years old. You can't break me again. You can't be any worse than the abusive father I have at home or, you know, or the mother who I could just never please. You know, so, so drill sergeant, I'm sorry, dude. You're not, you can't beat that. So, well, you know, you know yeah. what,
1: though? I think, I think everyone can be broken, though, sincere. If a, guy, if a guy is about to chop off your sack, I think you're going to sing like
2: a canary. <laughs> at that point. It's interesting, though,
3: because uh, <clears throat> I have a lot of friends that are in Navy SEALs, and they're oh. my height. I, you know, when I, when I, right. My image of a Navy SEAL before I even yeah. met this guy, I thought they are going to be some of the biggest guys. No, they're right. about my height, and they're short and with, you know – because we had to fight from, uh, uh, from the bottom of the totem pole all the time. Yep. And it's interesting enough, ever since I uh, started my blog, I would say 90% of uh, uh, my questions are from females. That was shocking to me. I, I, I always thought that males
0: would would, would would respond more to my blogs. But females are asking you know, We know everything. That's the problem. We know everything. Like, who is this guy to tell me? To who are you to tell me? To I'm fucking mentally tough. Dude, I kick your ass, Jackson. <laughs> he's never even seen you. you know, he's just going by a blog like this guy. <laughs>
1: so. So that, that's true. Sometimes as a guy, it's, it's very hard to – I mean, sometimes your ego just shuts you off before you have a chance to do anything. So been, right. like what Sincere said, you'll look at something and immediately you'll try to dismiss it because it goes against something you may believe. You're like, ah, this guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about, and now you don't have to think about it anymore. So that, that happens quite a bit, actually. In fact, I find that with my own mind sometimes where I'm researching things, especially hormone optimization stuff, and then I'm like, okay, yeah. I've, got a pretty, I've got a pretty good handle of this stuff now, and then I'll attend a yeah. lecture or something like that. I'm like, oh, come on. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about, and then I'm like, all right, just research it further, and then you're like, okay, No. He knows what he's talking about. I don't know what I'm talking yeah. about. So I, better, yeah. I, better, I better listen to this guy real quick. But that, that's not easy for a lot of guys to do, especially no. when you've acquired a certain amount of knowledge where you feel comfortable now. You're like, okay, I've got this stuff down. And then someone comes along, and it kind of challenges your views on a lot of things. And you're like, oh, man, now I've got to go back and learn some of this stuff again and, and re- yeah. revamp my whole views on all this. But yeah. uh, I've... I, I, more and more, though, I find that kind of exciting now, as opposed to where years ago I would be like, oh, I would kind of look at that as a negative because I, you you want to have a thirst for knowledge, where that that is yeah. the number one thing. It's like I want to learn as much as possible. I want to get better at whatever I'm trying to do. Now, if you want to get better, yeah, I never
3: I never want to I never want to be a know it all.
1: That's that's my right. biggest fear. Exactly. It's, it's, it's boring. It's boring. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to get anywhere. But, you know, you bring up some interesting points about a lot of Navy SEALs, and I've had several come through my courses, and a lot of times they're very unassuming. I had one guy who was a, who was a much bigger, really strong guy. He kind of like what you would think if you saw a movie. But for the most part, that's very rare in my experience. A lot of times it's regular-looking guys that you wouldn't even notice walking down the street. And it's, yeah. it's not someone who carries a lot of muscle mass usually because when you're in the field – you're carrying a heavy gun, you've got a backpack, you're carrying you have to you have to carry your you have to carry an injured person next to you for sometimes yeah. long long distances. The last thing you want to have is just a lot of big useless muscle that's not going to help you with this activity. Also, the last thing you want to be is on some kind of bodybuilding diet where if you don't get a meal every two and a half yeah. hours, you have a blood sugar crash <laughs> and now you have yeah. got bullets flying at you. <laughs> you, know, you want to, and that, that's kind of another component of mental toughness is some of the intermittent fasting type approaches and some of the longer stretches between meals, it's kind of putting yourself in positions of compromise purposely to see how, how deep how you deal you dig. with it. Sincere and I talked yeah. about this a couple episodes ago and I, and I don't recommend that all the time. You know, I'm a big believer in good nutrition every day and so forth, but every once in a while, it's a good idea to kind of change things up. And when, when I teach my seminars, I usually don't have breakfast before and I'll go the whole day without eating and usually that's not difficult at all to do, actually, because you're so busy instructing people and talking and so forth. But also sometimes it's a fun challenge. It's like, can I get through this whole day without even doing that? And then, but if you're teaching again the next day, you better reload that either. Yeah, buddy.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting with the Navy SEALs. You know, when they go through all their uh, their pretests and they can measure how strong they are, but the one thing they can't measure is the mental toughness,
1: and that's what they're actually looking for over everything right. else. Right. right. Now, there's a really good book called Unleashing the Warrior Within by Richard McAway. Oh, oh, yeah, I yeah. have that book. Yeah, about yeah, McAway. Yeah. He's a cool, cool guy. I interviewed him early in my career. Really interesting guy. But he, he he gave an example in this book about how you would go run for, let's say, five miles, and then you think you're done. And then the drill instructor would say, five more. Oh, okay, five more. And at that point, <laughs> yeah. half the group would just collapse because in your mind, you're looking at five Miles is, okay, all I have to do is just stay in there for five miles. So as you're getting close to the end of the five miles, in your mind, you're probably like, oh, man, I can't wait to finish this. I'm going to kick back and relax for a minute. And you're just ready to relax and, and wind down. And then he's like, all right, five more. And then, oh, boom.
0: Yeah, yeah Mike, Mike, that goes back. Mike, that goes back to what you were talking about. And, uh, you know, just um, from the bag of that Gita and just, you know, right. not being attached to an end result. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and that fit. I mean, that's another situation. Like, okay. And same thing with people in their businesses we were talking about earlier. You know, they, it has to be perfect. So it's going to end up being like this. I'm going to make this many. You know, I'm going to make six figures the first year. And then when it doesn't happen, because they've attached themselves to that result that never even existed. You know, it was just something that they, they made up in their mind. It wasn't the truth. I mean, they get attached to that and it doesn't happen. Then it's like, well, well, forget it then. I'm done. I'm done. Just like, you know, even in training, you have people that come to you, clients come to you like, I want to lose like I want to lose 20 pounds in the first month, and it doesn't happen in that first month, and then they just quit. <laughs> it's like, well, forget it. it. wasn't even worth it. I'm just going to be fat and out of shape. This is my destiny. <laughs> this is what uh, I'm
1: supposed I, to be I anyway. Think, well, <laughs> I, I really like what Jackson's doing by emphasizing mental toughness in training as opposed to some of these different results that people overly yeah. focus on because it gives you, it, it, it allows you to focus on the real benefit of training, but also it allows you to more likely stay the course because you're not so focused on what you think the result should be or how soon you should ascertain it. I mean, I'll have people come to me who are, who are a hormonal mess. And I'm not a doctor, so I don't treat people. I'm a researcher. I'll point them in the right direction. But sometimes people don't know that, so they think that I'll take them on as a client, and they'll say, look, how long do you think it's going to take for me to get hormonally optimal? i was like, who the hell knows? I'll <laughs> like, I don't, know any, I don't know anything about your blood work or any of this other <laughs> stuff. But my, my guess is you're probably a big mess based on your symptoms. And what if I told you it's going to take three years? What would you do? And then you'll feel great. <laughs> now, are you going to be pissed off about that or disappointed? What's three years? It's nothing to go from feeling like crap to feeling great. But, but, but a lot of people, want, they want to hear me say three weeks or a month or two weeks or this. And that's the, the, re, the reality is, is that if you really damaged yourself to a, to a high degree, which is usually the case when you're trying to fix these problems mm-hmm. because they've become so big that now you can't even stand it anymore. Because most of us, when things are minor, we don't stop and go, okay, well, what should I do to address this? No, we wait until it's major, and then, then it's a lot harder to turn it back around. But I think the mistake people have is, is, is thinking right away, I'm paying money, so I want to get this result in this amount of time. Otherwise, forget it. Or they I mean, have, that,
0: they have, they have that, ca- that cancer diagnosis syndrome, which is where it's like, you've got six weeks to live. You've got six months to live. Oh, i got six months. Let me do all I can in six months. Okay, what if you didn't know you were going to do that? What what would you have done? Okay, what's the difference? Yeah. Now, what's the difference now? Why are you going to wait until you know, well, at least they're trying to give you a good guesstimate of when your life is coming to an end to start living? Okay, why don't you start living now? And so it's no different than people coming to us all the time like, how soon do you think I can lose this 50 pounds? Well, I don't know. How long did it take you to get them?
2: that's
3: that's one of the questions I get. How, how fast would it take for me to get mentally tough? Well, you know, you've been fearful for thir- 13 years. It's going to take a while to unbreak those habits.
1: Yeah. And it, might, it might take anywhere from a couple years to forever. You, know? you, might, yeah. you, might, have to, you might have to wait until the next lifetime when you're, <laughs> when you're reincarnated. <laughs> no, for, for me,
3: I know it's going to take forever. That, that's probably why um, I'm not complacent. I, I'm never satisfied. I feel like I'm like a former alcoholic. I'm still a weak person. It's still part of me, and I know I can have a relapse. That's why I, I'm always trained. And, um, I, you know, we talked about CrossFit earlier. I've kind of weaned myself from CrossFit, and basically a lot of my training now is Olympic lifting, which I do four times a week.
2: Yeah. Okay. And
3: um, the reason why I do it is because it scares the shit out of me. Uh, you know, when you start jerking and doing snatches <laughs> with very heavy weights, it's scary. It's freaking scary. And uh, since I've had issues with being fearful, working through the Olympic lifts I'm able to conquer that every day. And that that's that's being being courageous when you're fearful is something that I'm slowly learning to do. Oh
0: yeah, yeah I think getting, me, getting you know, yourself it's out of your
1: fear comfort fear. zone. Yeah. Yeah it'll one. keep yeah. you in the
0: moment. It'll keep you in the moment. So you won't lollygag for sure when you know you're snatching two two fifty or whatever above your head on a barbell because you 'cause you're thinking like if I'm not in the moment right now, I could drop this thing on my head, and it could be a wrap. So Oh, that's no, that, that, that's,
3: that. always, that's always in the back of
0: your mind. Always. Oh, yeah, if you're smart. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. A, a cocky idiot, and like, oh, I got this. And then he is the one that gets hit in the head, and you're like, well, I'm learning from that guy. <laughs>
1: so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you for setting the,
0: setting the example. I appreciate
1: that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like Mark Filippi <laughs> always told me, go into every weight as if it's going to be difficult. In other words, don't just yeah. go through your warm-up weights where you're just, blow, where you're yeah. just blowing it off. So, like, for example – I'm going to work up to a 500-pound deadlift for a workout, then 135, 225, 315, 405, treat all of those weights as if they're really heavy, too. Now, don't go into a weight assuming it's going to be easy because he says a lot of times people will think, okay, this should be easy. So they go into it, and if not, they just give up right away, where if right. they went in saying this is going to be hard, so don't let go no matter what, you're going to push right through it or pull in the context of yeah. a deadlift, pull right through it, and finish it off. But that, it, with the deadlift, it's often a very – the deadlift is often as an example of mental toughness as well because you're pulling a weight from a dead point. While with the barbell squat, yeah. for example, you take the weight off the racks, you kind of get a feel for it. You kind of know whether you have the rep or not before you even mm-hmm. go into depth. But with the deadlift, you're, you're not getting a feel for the weight. You have to rip it off the ground. So often the first often from going to the floor to, let's say, just below the knees, that's where you feel like you're about to yeah. break in half. I call that purgatory. Your whole body, whole body <laughs> is shaking. Yeah, your whole body is shaking. You're like, man, I'm going to break it down. But if you just hang on there, and this is assuming you have good form. I'm not saying you should do this with crappy form. But let's say you've, you've developed good technique now. So you're working on that max or, or one might even be a, a repetition max or a set max, rather several reps or one rep max. If you just hold on to it and hang on, you'll, you'll finish it off. But if you go into that rep thinking, okay, this is going to be easy. It's just going to, I'm just going to rip it right off the floor. It's a lockout. And when that doesn't happen, you're just going to cave.
0: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like the yeah,
1: those, those,
3: those are those scary moments.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's why I said it's like purgatory, man. It's like by the time you finish the lift, you know, and when I say finish, either you've locked out all the way or you just realize I've got to let it go. That's when you can decide – I mean, that's when you find out if you're going to go to deadlift heaven or deadlift hell. So that's why I said that, from that little position that Mike said from the floor to right below the knee, that's, that's deadlift purgatory right there. So well, crazy, what do you man. Do you guys
1: – oh, sorry, Jackson. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, do you guys, you guys deadlift heavy still or just uh, kettlebells?
0: Oh, no, man. I, I got to have the deadlifts, man. It's kind of like – it's like my new addiction now. It's like, it's like a new addiction that was an old addiction, but now I'm back. So, it's just like, because yeah, I I, I I'm older now, and I have a different approach yeah. to deadlifting. Now, Now I deadlift smarter, and not with my ego as much, because <laughs> the, the ego's still there, because, yeah, I want to get to the five, 500-pound deadlift, you know, now that I'm really oh, well, yeah. in the game. But at the same time, I'm also like, yeah, and I'll be 41 on Sunday. At the same time, I'm thinking about that. So, it's just like, okay, now, if we can get, we can get to 500 pounds, but we're going to be a lot smarter than we were when we were like 21. Yeah. And, yeah. thing, and didn't even care where we went. just want to get heavier and heavier and heavier so yeah. like I said, like now it's a, it's a chess match for me, it's not like even so much about 100% all the way how much weight can I lift now so I can brag about it? I don't care about that, now it's a chess match like Okay, how is 41-year-old sincere going to be so much smarter than 21-year-old sincere with his deadlift, or with his power cleans, or with his overhead pressing? You know, compared to back then, and and that's the thing I love now. Just like it's a mental game more than a physical game to me now. Whereas before, it was just like said the opposite when you're younger because you're young. that's what happens.
3: Yeah, you're stupid when you're young. You know, but it's great. It's great that
1: yeah, (laughs) it's great that it's a chess game now. It's more interesting. Yeah, I mean, and I like I like to do deadlifts, heavy squats, deadlifts, couple uh, once once a week each lift, and I do more metabolic conditioning on other days, which will be kettlebells, body weight stuff, similar to some of the things you're talking about. I still like doing some heavy workouts where it's lower repetitions and so forth. But what I find is because of doing more rapid paced workouts where it's more metabolic conditioning, circuit training, whatever you want to call it. What I find mm-hmm. is the breaks that I need to take in between heavy sets are so much shorter now than back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's no longer taking yeah. three, three to five-minute breaks in between a deadlift set. Now it's like a minute, and you go right yeah. back into another heavy set. So I'm more focused on – I rarely do a, an all-out one repetition max, maybe maybe once a year, sometimes not even that often. I like to do more, like let's say a five-rep max or a ten-rep max or a six-rep yeah. max. And like Sincere right. said, really focused on good technique Taking your time. I'm not in a big hurry. Anytime you get in a big hurry, that's when an injury is going to occur. Just training smart. So I mean, I'm, I'm a strong believer that you can still lift very heavy as you get older, but you have to be very smart about how you do it. You focus on very good technique. You don't push it to failure every time. Focus on restoration. Focus on making sure your conditioning is good as well, because the last thing you want to be is someone that – can move some heavy weights around for a few reps, and then you can't walk up a flight of stairs. You know, you <laughs> well, wanna,
0: i got to stick up your, up your crack when you go up the stairs
1: now. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, wanna, you don't want to be like a lot of guys you see who, are, who, as they get older, they just get really stiff in their movement patterns. In other words, just walking, yeah. they're, they're stiff. And yeah, they're, they're, not they're, not, they're not lighter in their feet anymore. And it's it's kind of like you and I talked about this once, Jackson, where you have these guys who, who love working out throughout the week. But what, what do they do with that? that physical fitness nothing because you say let's nothing. go hiking it let's go hiking at red rock for a couple hours <laughs> i love to take my dogs out there and if there's some great hiking trails where it's it's basically a climb i mean you're not going up the side of a cliff but but you're you're working hard it's a great leg workout you're getting fresh air it's fun now to me if you're fit you should be able to do this no problem you can run up yeah. run down no big thing but you, you, it's, it's shocking how many people don't want to do that. And I'm talking about people that, are, that call themselves fitness-oriented. They're like, yeah, I'm fit, I'm so forth. Well, let's just go do this hike. Nah, you know, I've got a workout tomorrow, or I've got other thing. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay. No, no. So it's like you don't want to do anything physical because you have a workout tomorrow. So you've got it all backwards, man. We work out so we can do stuff like this and have fun, enjoy our life more.
3: Right. No, no, I, I know exactly what you're saying when I'm – when I used to train at Santa Monica Muscle Beach, I used to climb, climb rope a lot. And, you know, I'll see some of my buddies hanging out, and then I'll ask them if they want to climb. Oh, the excuses always come up. Oh, no, I can't do that right now. My, 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 my wrist hurts. Um, but, it, yeah, it, you know, it, if
1: you're not functional, you're, you're pretty useless to me. Right, right, right. I mean, you want, to, you want to develop a certain level of physical fitness that you can actually go enjoy other activities now. As opposed to, I think the mistake a lot of people make with training, and and I've done this myself, too, so I speak of this from personal experience, is where you try to make your whole life cater around your workout, where it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm not going to do this on Friday night because that's going to affect my workout Saturday. It's like, I'm not going to do this Sunday because that's going to affect my workout. I don't want to do this. So now it's like your whole life revolves around making sure every workout is perfect, (laughs) as opposed to as opposed to your workouts improving other areas of your life. Yeah. And, you know, and, and sometimes you do that because you have a particular goal. So you may say, like, look, for the next couple of weeks, I'm really going to dial things in so I hit this. And that's all fine. But, but when your whole life revolves around that, where you're not developing other areas, so like, in other words, you're, you're no longer doing the charity work you used to do anymore. You're no longer yeah. hanging out with friends anymore. You're no longer doing this with your spouse. You're no longer doing anything that remotely yeah. resembles a full life. then then you're kind of missing the whole point. It's it's like you've made the workout your life because that's the only place where you feel comfortable now. Exactly. Now you want to spend as much time training as possible as opposed to (laughs) developing other areas of your life and being more of a complete person.
3: It should enhance your life. Training should enhance everything around your your life.
1: Yeah. Yeah, When when your workouts cause so much anxiety, like when you're thinking about your workouts to the point where it's causing so much anxiety (laughs) that's taken away from your life, like, Uh come on. And we, we've all been around people like that, right, who are just overly oh, yeah. addicted to training. I know people who couldn't take a day off to save their life. I mean, they, they are addicted to the stimulus of training. They'll go spend 90 minutes on the treadmill, and and that's just the warm-up. Yeah, that's a warm-up, yeah. If, like, yeah. I'm going to go work at the gym for two hours, six days a week. Oh, yeah, two do, hours do, every day, son. You're two, not going to look my attitude is this. If, <laughs> if all of that stuff actually improved your results, then I could understand there's a point to it, but it doesn't. It's counterproductive. So now, now there's no point whatsoever. You're wasting time. You know, I always tell people, look, if you can get great results in three workouts a week and you work out three and you work out six days a week, and now you're getting worse, why would you want to work out six days a week? Now you do the, do the stimulus that allows you to get the results you want. And anything beyond that, Go do something
0: else with that time. Well, again, you know, most of the time when someone's like that and they're going six days a week, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, in the show. They're overcompensating for something. They're running from something. There's something in real life that they don't want to deal with, so they make sure that they spend as much time as possible in the gym because that's the one spot where they think they can feel good about themselves because once they stop dealing with that reality, once they get out of the gym and have to go deal with reality, it's like, oh, now, I'm, I'm a loser out here. No one likes me out here. Or I suck at my job. Or I'm a bad father. I suck as a husband. My wife treats me like a little, you know, pansy boy. You know, things like that. But when I'm in the gym, when I'm on that squat rack, you can't touch me, boy. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so they, they, so they, they want to go, they want to be where things are always great, at least their perception of what great is. So is, is there, when somebody's that obsessed, they're running from something, dude.
1: No, it's funny because we always talk about how we need to exercise to be healthy and so forth, and 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 that's all true. But the the, 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 the irony is that often people who love to work out do it so much that they actually become unhealthy now. They're a hormonal mess. Their testosterone is zilch. They haven't had a sex drive in five years, and they have have no energy. They wake up tired all the time, so they take a ton of coffee and and pre-workout drinks just to get through their workout, and then they get even more tired as a result of that. So they're just kind of burning that candle on both ends, and I always that cortisol. Use, yeah exactly. Yeah. I use sex drive as a barometer of health, and for both men and women. So like when your sex drive is really good, that's a sign that you're in a healthy state. Now when you have zero sex drive, especially for a man, when you have zero sex drive, it's not possible to be healthy as a man with zero sex drive. Period. You're not going to feel good. Your mood's not going to be good. Forget it. So, it's, so I mean, it, it's actually it's a simplification to some degree, but it's also a very easy way to get an accurate analysis of what someone's hormone profile is. Because I can tell you one thing, I've never seen someone who's like, look, I, have a, I just haven't had a sex drive in a while, like a guy. And then you look at his lab work, and it's really good. It's never, never happens. It's always really poor. <laughs> so I think, I think the, the, the irony that a lot of people don't realize is that people that are just kind of in this, Overtrained or under recovered state, whatever you want to call it, all the time, that often you often end up being more unhealthy than someone who doesn't train at all. That's the crazy irony of the whole thing is that you've pushed yourself so beyond the point of benefit that now it's like any other drug. It's, it's, it's totally counterproductive in terms of what's happening with you on, on an endocrinological level. Oh, definitely, man. So definitely, I, I, I
3: totally you. agree. One of the best lines i, I, I um, in baby mama's. Training is overrated. Look at it. It killed Bruce Lee. I thought that was hilarious.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, Jackson, uh, tell everybody, um, Tell because yes, I know we're about to run out of time. I know you got to bounce off, man. Tell everybody um, where they can find more information about you.
3: Uh, you can go to my blog at mentaltoughnessguide.com. Uh, I, I post three blogs a week, and it's about working out, and uh, uh, tips on how to overcome
1: adversity and, and living man. aggressively.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, no, your blog's awesome, man. You're definitely living Love aggressively. Love it, man. Your, your, your blog is a great place for people to go who want a nice kick in the ass to get motivated, to get pushing, to keep. And we all need motivation to some degree. So, I mean, definitely check out Jackson's website. His blog is great. I, I think you're going to start doing some video blogging as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I'm taking your advice. I'm getting the camera
3: this week, and I'm going to start posting. Cool. But uh, Awesome. I just want, yeah, I just want to thank you, Mike, for you know helping me out all these years, and you know I feel like I'm a disciple of living aggressively.
1: No, man, I, I appreciate it a lot. I think your info is great. I think you're doing some good work. Real quick, I know you told me that you used to work for some famous celebrities back in the day. Can you give us <laughs> yeah. at least one? Can you give us a story on someone. You don't have to name the actor or actress, or if you can, that would be cool. But if you don't want to, that's fine too. So you okay. just got to give us one story before you take off.
3: Yeah, I used to work with this one celebrity. He probably stars in one of your uh, favorite mobster movies. And uh, the guy is really, really a cool guy. But I'm telling you, if you saw him, what he looks like without all his – he wears a lot of baggy clothes. He is the epitome of skinny fat. He has a gut like a bowling ball. Um, (laughs) This Italian actor is really famous and a really cool guy. But he is neurotic as hell. (laughs) <laughs> really is,
1: but he never works out. He doesn't eat, uh, but he, would, he looks like an homeless person. <laughs> did, he, did he once tell a guy in a movie that he, he got screwed over by a girl with a great ass? Is it that guy? <laughs> I'm sorry?
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> 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 but I tell you this much, yeah. yeah.
1: Nice. Oh, man, cool, man. Well, thanks a lot, buddy. Uh, we'll have you. We'll definitely have you. I, I was expecting you to tell us a story about how you, you caught this guy snorting cocaine off some girl's ass, what's up, or something like that. Oh no, no, right? no, no, we'll, no, we'll we'll when i tell you past. this much. We'll I
2: think, listen, <laughs> when, when, you're, when
3: you're when you're when you're when you have a lot of money and you have a lot of Academy Awards and you're old, you you can have a lot of really good-looking nannies and maids walking around your um your house <laughs> with very short dresses on.
1: That's well, one of the benefits of
3: winning. Uh, yeah, that's one of the benefits of winning the Oscar and and. Uh, and, uh one of your favorite movies, mobster well, movies that's, that's 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 yeah. So yeah,
2: the, the clue is there's romantic. a horse and there's a pillow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, thanks a uh, lot, I'll guys. A, oh, hey, man, we we definitely man. get, thanks you, thanks get thanks you back on the show for sure, man. Yeah, we'll get Thank you.
3: you. I enjoyed it very much, and um, I, uh, this is a great show, and I'm learning a lot from you guys, and I, I want to keep on learning. Thanks a lot.
1: will oh, a lot, you man. We'll appreciate again. that. Appreciate you coming on. Take care. Have a good one. You too, man.
3: Thank you. Take care.
1: Thanks a lot. that was our friend Jackson Yee. That's mentaltoughnessguide.com. Definitely check him out. And he's got a great blog, great writer, excellent information. He's going to start doing some video blogging, give you some food for thought, allow you to get a different perspective on training, check some things out. But it's kind of funny what he just said because, and I know you have to run too, so I'll make this quick, but it's, it's funny how... I think a lot of guys feel like they don't need the trainer to train or look good because they're like, if I just make a lot of money, I can be a fat <laughs> love and I'll get the good looking girl, and that and that's often true. But the whole point of but but let's focus on training for the sake of being strong and fit and feeling good as opposed to whether it's going to get you girls or not, you know, let's just go. go. I'll tell you one thing. It doesn't hurt, buddy, (laughs) but you can have all those other things too. And if you actually look good in physical shape, that's going to add to it, man. All right. So rather than saying, well, I don't need to do that because I've got all this, you know, I I think men have a responsibility to be strong and fit. That's just my personal take on it. I don't don't think think, there's not
0: one woman. There's not one woman out there that will tell you, yeah, I want to be with a man that doesn't make me feel secure. (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. exactly. I, I think you should be strong and fit, be able to take care of yourself and the people around you. And it doesn't mean that you have to be you know, an MMA fighter level of, of fighting skill or anything like that, but you should, you should have a certain level of confidence because exactly. that yeah. comes from pushing yourself physically, working on yourself mentally, knowing who what you are, what you stand for, et cetera. So, I mean, that's a theme we'll, we'll definitely explore in further other shows. Oh, well, yeah, definitely, man.
0: So, cool. That was great, man. Great having Jackson on. Can't wait to get him back on the show. There's so many other things, man. I hate that we were all kind of like tied for time. But, yeah, I, I there's one thing on his blog, man, that he was talking about. Uh, don't let others control you. I right. really want to talk about that. And, and a lot of that points back to some of the things we were talking about in this show. And just all the, even when we look at certain things and perception of what society accepts, you know, even that right there is just letting others control you. And I think that's what gets us so off the mark, and we feel so thrown off in this life because we're not being our true selves because we're too busy trying to live up to other people's standards. So we definitely have to get them back and talk about that subject for sure, man.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. That sounds great.
0: So cool. cool so I'm we'll
1: oh, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying, um, just uh, remind everybody once again um, about the discount codes that you spoke about at the beginning of the show before we bounce off.
1: Sure, man. Everyone can get 10% off on the supplements I carry, my label and others, by using coupon code LLA. That'll just give you 10% off when you check out. And also you can see what workshops I have coming up. I've got some stuff coming up in Germany and Holland in August. I'm going to be adding a course with Sabina Scala and Dan John in October in the UK. It's gonna be a two day course. It's gonna be incredible. I'll be adding that to my site probably by the time the show is is live on iTunes or available for everyone to listen to. Cool. And then how about yourself, Sincere, what do you have going on? Like I said,
0: got Chicago coming up and also working with some really good CrossFit gyms who don't fit in the categories that we were talking about during the show. <laughs> so I'm very yeah. selective about who I work with. So I only want to work with the best and you know, coaches who pretty much have coaching dialed in and not just hey, I open up a box when you come to a workshop, you know, with me. I get that all the time. I'm very selective who I work with. And, and these guys are really stand-up guys, and I like what they're doing. They're not necessarily into the dogma. And, and like I said, I'm going to have fun with them. But all the information is on my blog, even uh, all the upcoming workshops, and it's at newwarriortraining.com. And once again, folks, if you want to reach out to Mike and myself, you can go to our fan page on Facebook and just type in Live Life Aggressively." podcast or you can hit us up on twitter at mike Mahler or at sincere hogan so keep those comments coming the suggestions your feedback we love it man love it
1: yeah it's incredible awesome man great great doing the show with you again buddy and we'll be we'll be back next week folks
0: yes sir so everybody have a great week and we'll see y'all next week take care